these professional headphones are very confusing. Do you have them on the right ear? I hope so. I don't think it matters. You know, ever since I was a kid, stuff like that always mattered to me. Yeah, me too. Yeah, like if it says left ear, right ear, right. I'm always going to feel like this is not optimum if it's not left, right. Yeah, I just mean like for this, it doesn't matter. Like it, I th- like if you're wearing them when you're playing a game, it matters, right? Because you need to know what's going on to the left of you and to the right of you. Mm. But for this, it doesn't matter. Can you hear the fan in your headphones? No. Yeah, I don't think I, think I can good. either. Okay. Yeah, it's been um it's been hot. It's ridiculous. It's like if it's gonna be this hot, just let the world end. <laughs> That's jumping I don't care. a little bit. <laughs> we still got at least two decades <laughs> on this planet left. Only gonna not, get hotter. Yeah, let's not uh rush us to the end yet. Um, okay. Okay. Did you uh, take a look at the movie wager sheet? We have our first completed tier. The first tier? Yeah. With Lion King? Yep. Arian uh, somehow has zero points. <laughs> that's not somehow. She didn't that's get expected. a single one right. That's absolutely expected. <laughs> um, uh, Lion King underperformed, right? I have no idea. I mean, it was the second highest in that tier. So I guess it didn't. Oh man. I'm looking at her picks right now. Oof. Yeah. The first tier is definitely going to be picks wise. The most accurate overall. Oh, I got the edge on you. Yeah. Lion King did come in second and you put Lion King third behind toy story four, mm-hmm. which I heard you gave your money to. And did you sleep through it? Did you? I watched it for the most part. Uh huh. What'd you think? It was fine. I... Um. All right. So point six six. Me with eight. All right. Ariane with zero. Zero. Goose egg. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Okay. Well, off and running. Yeah. Um. I think I made some bad picks at the later tiers, but we'll we'll wait to see how it all plays out. Yeah. Um all right. Did you look at the everything show notes? No. Well, I mean, usually you'll like text me to say like I'm updating the thing and then I'll take a look at it, but you didn't text me that, so I didn't look. I feel like I feel like you don't really check it. Do I do really? check it. Do I look at it. it I look at it when you text me. Um, but look, I'll also say this. I'm busy at, I've had this new job. Apparently it's been a year now and I have actual work to do now. So I don't have time to like look Uh at this stuff. Not that I would anyways. Yeah, exactly. But I actually don't now. Mm. So, well, sorry to disrupt your, I'm just saying a busy life. I haven't had a chance to like flesh out any of my ideas for the game. I haven't had a chance to I didn't have a chance to look at the show notes. Listen, we need to keep that under wraps. We don't need people stealing. (laughs) Sure. This idea. All right. I'm just saying I mean, that's very vague. Um, 
Yeah, I, I wanted to, I texted you the other day and I wanted to capture the moment um, because I know I, I wasn't going to feel that way even like an hour later. Uh-huh. But I texted you, uh, you're friends with a genius. Oh, right. When I had my breakthrough. Oh, okay. Which you just heard and I just, I just, <laughs> I, before I leave, we're, we're walking through it just one more time from, from how you're thinking about it so I can, I can make sure that I've made it's my just case. Right. It's just complicated. That's what I'm saying. It's just complicated. I mean, you're talking to a guy who does not like complicated games and I feel like that's the approach we're bringing to it. Like it's very obvious. You can see what type of games you like by listening to your pitch for this thing because it's complicated. It has a lot of moving parts. You know what I mean? It's very like intricate. Whereas I'm don't even have any ideas written down. I'm already trying to think of like how to pare it down even more. <laughs> right. Right. You're like, how could this be a two sided card? Right. That you just lay down and then you have to guess the other. Yeah. Right, yeah. The yeah. Other so, um, yeah. So, well, we'll have to find a middle ground. Yeah. Oh no, I am all about middle ground. So, you know, just, just in the way, like I'm totally happy throwing all ideas out the window. Like, the first concept that I brought you, like I said, it's like I wanted something somewhat fully realized so then it could be cut and dissected and mm -hmm. ideas could be pulled out. But that that was not like an sure. idea. But this one I'm very like cultishly sold on. I'm drinking my own Kool-Aid. Okay. Um, all right. So did you have anything you wanted to talk about? Nope. Okay. So with that, uh, I'd like to jump into Keith's board game corner. Okay. Um, scythe. Uh, -huh. you and I have played two games of it. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts? Um, yeah, it's fun. I literally in the notes, <laughs> like I, I knew what Did I was you budget like I 15 minutes for me to respond. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. I, I'm saying I could write like it was fine. Like, like <laughs> I wrote that as, as like I could write this script. Right. Yeah. So based on that, I was going to say, um, what I like about scythe. Okay. Is I like how it gatekeeps the early stages of the game. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't let you just run out onto the board and start doing stuff. Right it makes you make decisions early on as to what you're going to try and accomplish. So like, are you going to just try and turn over those scenarios and get the benefits of like the special scenario boosts? Mm -hmm. Are you going to build? Are you going to try and get your mechs out quick? Mm -hmm. um, and then what are you going to invest in terms of upgrades or enlistments to like, again, give you more benefits quicker so you can lay those six stars out. Mm -hmm. um, you definitely had a much more, um, I think again, it, it talks to our thinking styles, like just a very mat, not mathematical, but systematic approach of like this, this, this. Mm -hmm. And I kind of went like out there ready to explore mm -hmm. and the game does not reward that because since it's so tight in the beginning of like your movements are like just moving 
two pieces, one space, and then doing that again, and then just um, producing. It it makes it so that if you take a chance and your chance doesn't pay off early in the game, you're like screwed. And that, and that's like taking a chance is literally being like, I think I'm going to try and beat Justin to this one space. <laughs> and when you beat me there, it's like now I've like I've wasted too much of the time yeah. in this game. Mm-hmm. So I really like that. Um, I do think that it would change dramatically if you add an extra player. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm really interested because the, the thing with playing two player is especially in combat, there's really no reason not to just go all in in combat. Mm-hmm. Like I fought you once mm-hmm. and you have this combat system where you can kind of like secretly set how many people you're sending out to fight. Mm-hmm. And I misjudged you in thinking that you would at all <laughs> like pull back. Uh-huh. You, you just went all in uh-huh. and, and the reality is in a two person game, like there's no real negative to doing that because if you beat me, which you did, you get my resources. And even if you lose a lot of power, no one is threatening you. Yeah. If you had a third person right. there and I attacked you, then you've, you've got to think about that other person. Right. So that's my one big takeaway. Uh, solo is great. I've done that. And uh, currently it's my favorite game closely behind terraforming Mars and city of Kings. Okay. And, um, uh, I think next time we play, I really want to do city of Kings. I've been doing that solo and I've hit a roadblock and oh really? Yeah. Like I can't beat this Hmm. story. Mm -hmm. And so are there like, um, does it change? Does it, is it like easier for solo play or city of Kings? Yeah. I don't see. I don't, I think it's harder. Yeah. Um, because I'm not, I'm approaching it from how I think is a varied approach, but really it's just my one mind mm-hmm. tricking itself into being like, oh, you're thinking differently. But instead I'm still, I'm not able to break yeah. out of my mm-hmm. own thinking on the game. Yeah. And so, but the game itself has, it's, it's built out like a video game. So they have like, resource missions where you need to get enough resources to a space. Um, they have like escort missions where you need to bring somebody across the map. So it's not just like the first time we played, which is basically just like find monsters, defeat monsters. Mm -hmm. Like it varies what you're doing on that little board. And it's really, I, I really like it a lot. It's really good. So and then the only other game I wanted to talk about was Pandemic Legacy. Okay. Have you played any Pandemic? No. Okay. You and Julie, I think, would really like Pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think you'd like Pandemic Plane. I think you would like Pandemic Legacy. The problem with... So I got Pandemic Legacy for Elise and I to play. Mm-hmm. She played one game. Mm-hmm. We had fun, but she was like... I don't care if you play that with me or not. Yeah. So I was like, okay. And then I was going to play it with you 
but there's other games that I want to play with you and you know the legacy game is just really involved mm -hmm. so I was like I don't mind playing it by myself the problem is is I realized like my third game in I was going to lose <laughs> and I hate I hate like losing uh -huh. and I was like well I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be honest with the game and I lost like uh -huh. I could I, it was only me I could have cheated I could have been like because it was close at the end like one thing one card turn right. different and I won. Right. So I F could just fudge a couple things in there. Exactly. Right. And be like, hey, during this gameplay, I probably missed a rule that would have yeah. helped me. So yeah. I'm just I was like, you know what? I'm gonna freaking I lost. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that the game is designed for you to lose. Mm. Like you need to lose some of the rounds. You cannot play this perfectly. Right. That's not how it's designed. And I've gotten to a point in the game where the next game I play, I'm going to lose. Mm. and I don't want to play. <laughs> it's just it's just sitting there, and I know I'm going to set it all up. I'm going right. to go through the whole gameplay, and there's zero chance that I win, and that's what they want, but I'm just not looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. So that's my board game corner. All right. Anything else in the notes? Stranger Things. Oh, okay. Yeah, we did watch Stranger Things. Any thoughts? <laughs> um, I did have some thoughts oh, actually. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> my biggest thought was because I told you when we started watching it, because we were watching it on a new Netflix account, we started watching the very first and episode. It started ever, all the way back. Right. And. Boring story. I got it. Yeah, yeah. There was a moment of like, this feels really familiar. Um, but also like, oh, I really like the way this is starting. And then we realized, oh, this is the first episode. Um, and so my really only thought is kind of like, I wonder if I, we went back and revisited that first season, if it was as good as we thought it was. Or if it's always been this bad. <laughs> <laughs> so you think that you think the third season is actually bad? Um, I mean, it's fine. We watched the whole thing, um, including a four hour marathon. To yeah. Finish up, to right? finish up. We binged the last four episodes. Uh, not my choice, but we did it. <laughs> um, you binge the last 3.75. Right. <laughs> Uh, but I kind of feel like the, so my really only complaint about the first season was, um, is her name? Winona Judd? Winona Ryder? Ryder? <laughs> Winona Judd, the country singer. <laughs> yeah. So Winona Ryder, I felt like she was like, just like, it just felt like she doesn't fit in in the first season like she's so over the top she's so crazy you know what i mean she's mm -hmm. like hysterical all the time she's really like overacting and it it's feels like instead of like her coming down to the show Everybody in the following seasons everyone went up to her level to where you get this third season is just like complete hysterics all the time and it's like 
um, like uh, the police Hopper. guy. Hopper is like way over the top. There's like really bad product placement. The Coke. The Coke stuff. I mean, but like not just that. I mean, it's all over the place. Um, and even like, I don't know. It's just sort of, to me, it was just sort of like evidence that like, and, and I think we said this before that like with the, I think a lot of the stuff, a lot of the feelings from the first season is that it's a brand new thing. Nobody knew what it was. It kind of came out of nowhere and it became this like cultural flashpoint. You know what I mean? Where it's like the weekend it came out, everyone's talking about it. Oh, you got to check this thing out. And it was fairly different. You know what I mean? It, it was, it felt like it sort of underplayed its hand a little bit and you're kind of like, Ooh, what is this all about? And then with the following two seasons, you're kind of like, oh, okay, there's, not really much here. Um, Duffer Brothers probably aren't the next saviors of film. You know, don't necessarily seem like the smartest guys in the world. The search continues. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so yeah, it was fine. I, I don't. I wouldn't say it was bad, but I mean, I guess I would say it was bad in that I was largely uninterested in it. Mm. Um, I thought it was fine. I thought the first like three episodes were like boring, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, well, I mean the romantic focus too of like everybody involved was just kind of like that has never mm. been my thing. I remember it being a huge sticking point, not sticking point, but like there's like that moment in lost where you get this like love triangle and you, and you start getting like this focus on like the character relationships. And I was just like, I'm not on board for that stuff. I don't find that stuff interesting really ever. Yeah. I feel like we're, we're at this moment where, um, I felt this way watching the favorite, which is a movie last year, one of my favorites. Uh-huh. And it basically looks at the story of like queen Anne. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a period piece, mm-hmm. but it is completely like <laughs> exactly. But it's completely modern in right. its like filming and acting style. Is that the movie with Aubrey Plaza? No. What was that weird? That one's Little Hours, or like where she plays a nun in yeah, but a it's convent. Like crazy, wacky, or whatever. Yeah, I didn't like it. Oh, okay. Um. And so, yeah, that's a bad example of this. Okay. The favorite is a great example of this where like a lot of people who love period pieces hated the movie and Mm -hmm. didn't know what was going on. And it's because it's clearly from the perspective of we know the tropes. We don't need to do the tropes. We can tell our own story and we can bring like, a modern understanding of all the cinematic tropes of a period piece and subvert them and work around them. We no longer need to just iterate on that Mm -hmm. because enough has been done. Like, you know, I could, I could spend the rest of my life watching period pieces that all are variations of the same, like, you know, five themes of like, you know, 
aristocracy, the upstairs, downstairs, the, you know, extravagance of, you know, the monarchy or whatever, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, love triangles and unrequited love and all that. Um, and so I, I feel like now, and one thing that disappointed me with Stranger Things is like, the the things that you're aping have done all of this. So maybe like show that you've learned some lessons from them. Yeah. And don't feel the need to just like, ah, uh, mm -hmm. the young romance relationship, right? Like what the hell was Hopper and uh, Winona Ryder? I forgot her character now that you've referred to her as Winona Ryder. <laughs> Winona Judd, you mean? Yeah, Winona Judd. Uh -huh. But what was their dynamic? Like screamy, uh, yeah. uh, un, you know, like yeah. secret love. Antagonistic. Couple yeah. anta like, yeah. and, and they didn't do anything with it. Yeah. Hopper just like screamed at her the whole time and she pretended to not have feelings for him. Mm -hmm. And I kept waiting for there to be like a joke about it or some kind of fresh take on it. And they just didn't, they never did it, mm -hmm. you know? And instead you get at the end, like a beautifully written, you know, farewell from a boorish. Uh, I'm trying to think what does Lisa call Homer in this a baboon uh -huh. where he gets, <laughs> he gets offended because yeah. they're the uh, dirtiest, stinkiest right. of them. like he's a baboon in yeah. that he's a screaming right like mis weirdly misogynistic baboon. And then in the end, it's like I just want you to be happy and I just want, you know, it's like Shakespeare. Well, and I also remember from the first season it being more of a, like this is kind of like a thriller monster thing that has sort of like 80s nostalgia sort of like woven into it. Whereas this season especially is just straight up like look at how closely we can mimic like the 80s vibe or whatever it it just feels like it's doing it just feels like everything instead of like doing their own thing they're just like we're gonna make every single scene a callback to something you know what i mean like that's become their thing yeah and i think you could see this one i kept thinking of the thing Mm -hmm. Um, and this monster has like every trope of again, eighties horror movies shoved into it. You know, it's a Cthulhu monster. It's from mm -hmm. another dimension. It's got body snatching it's a face hugger. It's got, it's a face hugger. Mm -hmm. It's, um, uh, it's the thing, right? You don't know who is infected and who's mm -hmm. not. Um, and I have to say, in terms of the effects, I thought the effects were good mm -hmm. in terms of how they looked. But again, in terms of what I felt like you could see there saying in behind closed doors, which is like, let's make it gross, like the thing and like mm. gremlins, like all of our 80s nostalgic movies, they're also so gross. Yes, it was very gross. And this one was so gross. Yeah. And I feel like it was again, just like, remember when things used to be gross? Let's make it gross again. Yeah. And again, I thought visually it all looked good. 
But again, it, it felt like, let's just take this trope. And now instead of something really specific, we're just going to take like uh, an aspect of those old ones just being gross. And mm -hmm. we're just going to, you know, riff on that. Yeah. So I felt like it just, it didn't bring enough new, but again, like 11 was great. You know, in terms of, I thought the acting was really solid. I didn't care for some of the, the dynamics. I didn't care for like, I understand that a lot of it is a joke, but like the weird, like pro capitalism <laughs> message that was like weirdly and repeatedly. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah, it was, it was like, but even then it's just like all over the place. It's not even, I didn't even feel like it was pro capitalism. It just was like, it oh, just, we had the girl who like, yeah, but I mean, recalling like, right. But it, at the same time, it's because it's that girl and the way it's handled, you get the impression that it should be like a critique of capitalism, but it's, not really that's their subversion. That was so strange. <laughs> that, yeah. yeah, it was very weird. Yeah. So I mean having said that, I, I've really loved I, I believe it was episode five. Like I love the um the hospital Yeah, that um, was episode and stuff like that. I thought, was good. Yeah, it had really good pacing to it. Again, I thought the the visual effects were really good. Um again, some of the, like just aping the tropes without iterating is starting to me or to me is starting to like shine through more right. than how well it's produced and made and acted. Right. And, and, but that's also the like newsroom stuff is also to me like indicative of, of the difference between the first two seasons. Cause I feel like in the first season you can have, you had, and again, maybe I need to go back and rewatch it, but you had like what felt like genuine interactions between even opposite forces in the first season whereas in this season you get every single newsroom every single interaction between the daughter whatever her name is and the jockos at the news newsroom at yeah. the newsroom every single one is completely over the top is completely like just like mean, you know what I mean? Like she, she never has one regular interaction with any other person at the company. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just is like, well, it, it goes back to like everybody is sing singularly motivated. Yeah. And it's like the young boys are just about the girlfriends, but not in any way to, again, like very, they are just, completely stupid when they need to be stupid and then completely poignant when they need to be poignant. Mm -hmm. Right? Like he has that big outburst where he's like, I love her and I couldn't feel it. And I couldn't stand what would happen to her. Mm -hmm. And and it's like, that's the true feelings. But every other time he's just like, what's wrong with girls? What's wrong with me lying? I don't mm -hmm. see what's wrong with it. What's you know? And you're like, it's, it's, it's like, it doesn't show any signs of modulation. Right. Which again, goes back to, um, Hopper, who is just like, you stood me up. Oh, is that your boyfriend now? Are you happy with your boyfriend? Oh, that's like in yeah. screaming all the time yeah. as a stand in for humor. Uh, right. and again, like they don't make any sense with each other until they need to. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, 
poignant conversation. Oh, we're, we're seeing eye to eye. Up until then, it's just like, oh, we're screaming at each other again and, and mm-hmm. denying. The, uh, I just said, you know what I mean? Just kept going on and on and on. It just yeah. like, God, just change it up a bit, right? Yeah. Modulate. No. Yeah. Undercut. Be the favorite. Mm-hmm. So on Letterboxd, I was like, I don't need another period piece anymore after mm-hmm. the favorite. The favorite has now allowed you to make whatever weird thing you want to make and put it in a period piece setting. Right. You know, just make which it. Which is what I thought the first season was. Yeah. Make, yeah. make the thing that you want to do. Put it in the setting that you want, but make your own thing. Don't mm. feel like, oh, we've got to like, you know, John Carpenter and, you know, here are all of our, you know, influences laid out. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, our character motivations are he's upset with her and she doesn't want to accept that she loves him mm-hmm. done for the whole season. We got, we did it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I got two more things. Okay. About stranger things or just nope. independent. Okay. Do you want to go back to stranger things? Nope. Yep. Exhalation by Ted Chang. Okay. This is a book I've been recommending uh-huh. to everybody. Another recommendation. The second story in the collection uh-huh. is just one of the best ever. Okay. Period. Um, and the last thing I have on here is IndieWire released their top 100 films of the decade. All right. And I took a look at the list and I am somebody, I love a good list. Mm -hmm. I do year end lists for myself. I read people's yeah. Year end lists. Oh yeah. Um, but whenever it's like hundred greatest films of the decade lists, Mm -hmm. I always find myself just like, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, not interested. Um, really? Yeah. And I don't really know why. Uh-huh. But I think I think of the decade, so of 2010 to 2020? 20 I mean, uh 2010 to 2019. All right. 10, 11, 12. So they're writing off any movie that could come out between now and the end of 2019. I think the idea is yeah, or they've yes. Ultimately, I think they're okay. I think they're writing some off. So, where are you on the idea that you can't call a movie, you can't call something a classic until like a certain amount of time has passed? You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. can't an album can't come out and you can't say, "Oh, this is a classic album." Well, it hasn't been out long enough. Yeah, I, I think with stuff like that, it's only good and it only has meaning in terms of categorizing or to help you talk about something, mm-hmm. but could something be a modern classic or whatever? Absolutely. But I think if you like, it, it's all about how you're using the term and how you're using it to have a discussion. Mm-hmm. Like if you say like, again, what is a modern classic? Great. Then like we can evaluate modern mm-hmm. in terms of what do we think is going to stand the test of time versus what is a classic film? Well, yeah, I think time is an element of that. So unless you want to modify it another way, then we probably are talking about older films. Mm -hmm. But again, that is subject to what you consider enough time. 
Right. So, so yeah, I think it's, it's, it's all about like context drives meaning, but I don't see a lot of value in putting limitations on concepts or terms whole hog. Okay. Um, which is the same way I feel about like auteurs, mm-hmm. auteur theory. Is anyone really an auteur? And it's like, yeah, they're an auteur. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, want to believe that they have themes that they carry through with their works or whatever, sure. like, how do you mean auteur? You know, like that, that can both be proven true and false depending mm-hmm. on how you evaluate it. So, you know, it's all about context. Okay. So, so the 100 greatest movies of the decade. So here's, here's the problem. One of the problems. And again, I'm thinking through this. I don't, I don't know why these, these kind of lists bother me as somebody again, who likes lists. Mm -hmm. I number one, it's because each film then has to carry such a weight. Mm -hmm. If you put, here's a good example. Inside Lewin Davis, which you've seen. No, dang it. <laughs> the, the other problem, like I wanted to see what movies you saw from the top 10. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to say two. You might be on point. Okay, so so okay. Um, I'm going to still go with inside Lewin Davis. Okay. Inside Lewin Davis, great film. Okay. That's the one with some guy's a singer? Oscar Isaac. Okay. Coen Brothers. He's a folk singer. He's trying to make it. At the same time, Bob Dylan is coming up, and he's just about to get overshadowed by, like, this whole kind of folk movement that's going to leave him behind because he isn't willing to sell out or adopt their persona in the same way. He is just trying to make music that he believes in. Okay. No one cares about that. Right. Uh-huh. So it's kind of, it's kind of about that and all that. So again, I understand that like the themes are there deeper about like uh, transitioning culture and trying to find your place. Somebody being untimely born, right? That's, that's another kind of theme throughout. Uh, and you know, the artist as, asshole Mm -hmm. and what we choose to excuse or, you know, also like a vision of an asshole artist who it doesn't have the fame. Right. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. how much do we excuse? It's like, Oh yeah, he's, he's crazy, but it's freaking Mick Jagger. Mm -hmm. You know what you expect versus Mm -hmm. like, Oh, that dude. Yeah. He's a total, you know, asshole. Yeah. No, he made boondocks. And he makes boondocks. (laughs) You know what I mean? Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So, so again, relevant themes, all of that. I get it. Yeah. I love it. Inside Lewin Davis on their list is number five. Okay. I just have to be like, no, it's not uh-huh. five. Uh-huh. It's, it's number five of the whole entire decade. Yeah. And then you read like, you know, they, they get, and this is another thing that I hate. Not hate okay. I'm getting a little hyperbolic, a little carried away. I don't mean yeah. to, but, um, do you know what's going on in the world? Keith? Yeah, they give it two paragraphs, which this is a hundred film list. How right. many paragraphs do you want? At the same time, it's a list about the hundred greatest movies of the decade. Like, I feel like if you're going to make that case and this is number five, 
I'll read it. Write the 5,000 word defense and explanation of inside Lou and Davis. Uh-huh. The two paragraph Leonard Moulton, <laughs> like summary and it's not getting it done. Uh, just like the film they inhabit, they zing from wacky jams before his star Wars turn. Adam driver was out there issuing whoops on please. Mr. Kennedy with his same Oscar level attention to heartbreakers like fare thee. Well, it's got everything. And all of it feels achingly real. You can't some. Can't, that's not the fifth greatest movie of the decade summary. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's just like that's, that's a pithy. It's a TV guide summary. Yeah, it's a TV guide summary. So I feel like that's the that's the problem. I don't really mind like the clickbaiting nature of it, which is like again list drive click. So sure. anytime somebody does a list, of course they just want to get you to click on it and look at the yeah. list and feel something and get enraged or post a comment or whatever. I think, I think that shines through on like a hundred list of anything. It's like, I can take someone's top 10 at the end of the year because it's their perspective. Mm-hmm. It's the end of the year. It's yeah. It's like a reflection and I'm interested in like seeing themes or seeing what I missed or whatever else. But of the decade, again, it's just like it, it kind of, you're stretching the premise so thin that I can't, you know, suspend my disbelief to like care enough about the top 10, you know, right. The, the top 10 feels arbitrary because it is because it's a, it's a ridiculous, right. You know, of notion. Course. Having said that, do you want to hear the top 10? Yeah. Of which you've only seen two. Actually, let me hear what's number 100. Ah, so you want to, so let's set the, I just want to know what number 100 is and then we can do the top 10. <laughs> what, it, it is interesting to know like what just made the cut, like, because you think the only film that probably got a bigger debate than like the number one mm-hmm. was the number 100. <laughs> like what film are we saying is better than everything else? Somebody else could think of that's not on this list to justify like, oh yeah, this is our last, oh man, they're number 99. Their number 100 is Inherent Vice. Oh, okay. Immediately, they lose me also with the number 99. Okay, what's that? <laughs> the Loneliest Planet. Okay. Which is, it's like, did you see Force Majeure? Isn't that so, the, like, Ewan McGregor movie? No. Oh. <laughs> Force Majeure. Yeah, I, I, I know what it is. Okay. Yeah. Loneliest Planet is about this couple that goes on a hike and they come across this guy who like pulls a gun on them. I can't Uh fully remember. And instinctually the guy jumps behind the woman. Oh, okay. And it's about how that kind of, and there's a bunch of movies like that then. Yeah. Um, That's what force majeure. And then what was the other movie we watched where there's like the stick up in the uh, convenience store is kind of like about that. Yeah, and that where they just that becomes like a isn't that kind of like midsummer where they stumble into like a cult or whatever, right? And oh, um, um, the ritual. Yeah, and what I love, yeah. So, but again, I felt the same way about force majeure. I get it. I see what you're doing. I watch the loneliest planet, and I want to bash my head in between a door. <laughs> like in the door frame uh-huh. because it just like lazily plays out and nothing happens. And it's just like, 
you know, you can see them being like, oh, it's all under the surface. And, right. oh, it's, yeah. and it's like, just say it. Say your, sometimes I just want you to spell the theme out because that is actually like interesting mm-hmm. versus what they're doing here for an hour and a half, like of nothing, you know? So I found the loneliest planet like very frustrating in its pacing. And again, uh-huh. we see that 99, you're like, are these only independently released movies or they're all movies? All okay. movies. Number 11 is Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. Number 10. And can I, I'm going to double down on my hatred of Wolf of Wall Street. Um, on the basis that. Don't say it. It rides that line of. Like, obviously, like, we don't have to, like, condemn the these actions in the movie because any reasonable person watching this movie knows their bad actions. You know what I mean? It's too vague in its morality. See, I don't think it is. I just was reading a story on Reddit. Did you see the story about the Golden State fan that, that snuck into the games? Mm-mm. YouTube guy, of course, spends the entire season. He like realizes you can spend a hundred dollars and buy. Um, they're just called like I don't know what they're called like stadium passes or whatever, but it's a hundred dollars. It allows you into the arena for the game. Doesn't give you a seat, but you can just get into the arena, I guess. So he realized hundred dollars for to get inside of the arena per game per or game. like as or, or I mean maybe that's season long. I'm not sure. Yeah, but even now I'm like okay, yeah. I don't okay, know. anyway. So anyways, he then goes on to like StubHub whatever before every game. Looks at what courtside seats are still available. He then photoshops a fake like pass ticket whatever for those seats and he was able to get into like over 30 home games doing this um but then of course he posts it all on youtube mm-hmm. right because you got to get like the gotta get the clicks buddy clout right um and someone He's has probably thinking this. like I, it's already done. They're not getting me. Right, exactly. Yeah. Someone has posted this on the subreddit. He starts getting all this attention. He's on the NBA subreddit. And his one of his replies to somebody who's like asking him like how he thinks he's going to get away with all this stuff, why he thought this was a good idea. Like not like and, and a lot of people aren't necessarily criticizing his like craftiness. What they're criticizing is him putting it all on the internet. <laughs> yeah. And like basically admitting to committing these crimes, yeah. basically, right? Um and one of his replies to one of these people was, have you ever seen Wolf of Wall Street? Okay. <laughs> but that like that kid obviously does not get the point of the movie. And I mean, look, I can't say that like the point I, I like, obviously I think that Martin Scorsese knows that like these are bad people. But I think the problem is that the world we live in now is that 
the general audience doesn't understand that these are bad people. I see. I, I will say I do think like cultural, the culture shift has happened fast mm -hmm. in the last few years. And I think that that film, just like with, um, oh, what movie was I just thinking about that I was thinking about in this context? It's like the the climate changed, and mm -hmm. then that movie came out, and it was like, sure. oh, that was <laughs> no man, we're we're beyond. But it's like you see when they started, right? Like what they were yeah. shooting for, and I, I kind of felt like that with the Wolf of Wall Street, where you know you flash back to you know even like five years previously. And it's just like any other story of Wall Street excess. Yeah. By the time it came out, like people were furious with all of Wall Street, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that it clouded the message and put an emphasis for like Scorsese and for the people who made it to have to make a stand in a way that Again, even previously, they wouldn't have had to. They wouldn't have had to like deal with it because we would have understood it for what it was as a any other film. Again, of of like Scorsese of you know, is he glorifying the mobster life in Goodfellas or not? No, he's not. It's a mm -hmm. it's a it is a don't do this story while also showing you how glamorous it can it can be. Mm -hmm. And again, that movie, <clears throat> I don't think the mob ever had the fluctuation in the culture like wall street did. And from the time that he probably conceived it, made it and released it. It's a new, it's a new era now, Marty. Sure. Like a lot of people aren't interested or aren't clear on it, but it's not, I don't think it, it was his responsibility with that. Okay. With that film. Do you want to go? You want to, Deal with your um No, that's just let's yeah, let's just run through this top ten real quick and then yeah, I have to go say goodnight or else I don't know, my daughters will never go to sleep again, I guess. Right. <laughs> Number ten. All right. And I'm gonna say you haven't seen this one. Ladybird. No, I haven't seen that. But you know which one that is, right? Yeah, it's about the girl. Mm-hmm. You nailed it. Good for you. Great. <laughs> <laughs> the movie, the one you movie about, about the girl. A bird. She's got like colored hair, right? <laughs> and a cast. Okay. Number nine, you have seen Mad Max Fury Road. Okay. Number eight, you have seen The Master. Okay. Number seven, Carol. I don't think you could even tell me what I never even heard about. of that. <laughs> Number six, uh, holy S motors, holy motors. Not like it has a great scene in it. Uh -huh. Maybe two great scenes. Not interested. Are there any Marvel movies on this list? Not one. I think now that you mention it, mm -hmm. I kind of, you know, I, I looked at all the films, but didn't internalize, especially the middle pack. Sure. Um, number five, we, are, we already talked about inside Lewin Davis, which you okay. have not seen. Number four is the act of killing in the look of silence documentaries. Okay. Um, have you seen uh, either of those? No. 
Act of Killing is the one about the uh, genocide. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, in, Indonesia. Indonesia. And it's like, yeah, yeah, is good. Number three, haven't seen. Uh, I'm I'm counting you haven't seen. Uh, certified copy. Never even heard of it. it. It's good. And you have seen three movies on this list. Okay. You have seen the second. You only watched the good ones, Justin. You you, <laughs> you saw the second most important film of the decade. Uh-huh. And that is Under the Skin. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, I still remember certain scenes from that. Oh, film. absolutely. And I'll also say on Stranger Things, they rip off the whole uh thing from under the skin uh-huh whatever that place is you want to call it where like l is like using your powers or whatever right and number one moonlight is that the barry jenkins right okay directed yeah i really like moonlight so uh yeah don't have a problem there my my beloved tree of life is up there at 13 happy with that Social network. <laughs> Basically all Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, that's not a surprise. All right. So that is Magic Mike XXL. Number 28. Wow. Paddington 2. What number? 28. <laughs> I thought Magic Mike was 28. Magic Mike, 26. Oh, Sorry. Okay. Just beat out Paddington. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. Check out the list. Uh, I think it's uh, wrong. I had some that I might recommend as, as uh, substitutes, but... We're good. Yeah. We've got more important things to talk about. All right. Put it on black. It's red. Ah!